With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I think he's continuing to rehab and, and recover. Um, he's wearing a protective brace on that deal right now, so I'm not sure that'll change. We'll kind of see how it goes the rest of this week. Um, I don't think that's affected him too much. He's been he's been able to manage that pretty well. It wouldn't be Tommy if he didn't if he wouldn't try to play. So I mean, I, I think he'll I, th- I think I think he'll be ready and everything like that. It just depends on how he feels and everything. I don't think we can you know take it to the day before the game, but we're we're you know we're planning on Riker playing right now and until we get different information. Um, that's that's the way we've been practicing. So it's not like we're going to make it a a game time deal, but uh, we don't have a timetable on it right now either. And here we are, the start of another edition of the Husker Online Show. We're just a few days away from Nebraska's arrival in Nashville to begin practices for the Music City Bowl. They'll be practicing at the University of Vanderbilt all week uh, with practices scheduled for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Game day being obviously on a Friday, so uh, next week's edition of the HOL Show will be taped in Nashville, Nate Klaus, Robin Washington, and I will all be down there. Um, you know, as we we get you geared up for that game, but still, uh, as you look at this matchup for Nebraska, Robin Washington, and Nate Klaus, um, questions really about injuries. I mean, last week at the end of the week, we learned Jordan Westerkamp um, is done; he won't be playing in this game. Uh, we think at this point that Tommy Armstrong is done um, and won't play. But you, you heard in the open there, Demorne Beardsonell, and I, I tend to agree a little bit with this. Um, Tommy Armstrong's kind of got that cowboy hero mentality where he's going to try to maybe give it a go. And I'll be curious to hear Mike Riley's kind of final thoughts on that, because I don't think you can let this thing go into Nashville with Tommy Armstrong. I think you need to have a decision made on the starter before you get on the plane on Sunday. Um, And then, you know, questions still about Nate Gary and and things like that. So there, there are a lot of key players for Nebraska particularly Westerkamp and Armstrong, that probably won't play, Robin. And and this Tommy one will be interesting to kind of see how it closes out here. Yeah, I understand why, you know, guys like DeMornay and maybe other people around are optimistic still that uh, Tommy will be able to come back and play. But uh, they they feel a little bit better about it than I do. Um, The the fact that Tommy hasn't even put on pads since that Iowa game um, really uh, kind of makes me feel uh, very uh, doubtful about his status for this game. And, you know, Riker's been taking all the number one reps um, during this entire bowl prep. And, uh, you know, Danny Langsdorf's comments, Mike Riley's comments, you know, they are going forward as if Riker will be their starter. And um, I think just from a preparation standpoint, I mean, to just suddenly throw in a guy that hasn't taken a single practice rep um, since the regular season uh, to come start your bowl game when we're this close, um, you know, to the actual kickoff, uh, I think would probably kind of do more harm than good. And we've seen, you know, what Tommy is when he's not 100%. I mean, he was almost a liability in that Iowa game. I mean, he couldn't run. He couldn't get any push off his throws, and that affected his accuracy. And um, Nebraska's offense suffered mightily because of it. So I think that, you know, and personally, I like Nebraska's chances a whole lot better with a healthy Riker Fife um, than, you know, a less than, you know, 100% Tommy Armstrong. Well, and that's the whole thing for me is not only – 
has Tommy Armstrong not practiced at all during December, but we know that he's still not healthy. You know, Riker Fife, the first time we met with the players following the Iowa game, Riker Fife kind of laid it all out there and said, you know, that, that Tommy had a torn hamstring and he was 30% for the Iowa game and and uh, injured that, that hamstring even further uh, in that game. So uh, to me, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think Tommy Armstrong gives you the best chance to win this game. And, and it would be foolish to, to kind of draw this thing out and, and head into Nashville, um, you know, with, with that still being the possibility that he could play. I think you have to, you have to zero in on a guy, um, and especially in Riker Fife's case, I, I think um, you kind of owe it to Riker because he's been kind of toyed around um, before in the past, you know, with uh, a couple other games where they got him prepared to be the starter, and then all of a sudden on a Thursday or a Friday they said, nope, Tommy's going to play, and uh, and I think that can that can kind of damage your psyche a little bit, and um, and it probably toys with the team a little bit too. So uh, I, I think it would be a smart move to to just go ahead and say that Riker's going to be the guy, but you know I guess we'll see what what kind of plays out here over the next couple of days. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we uh, wrap up bowl practices here in Lincoln. Uh, Huskers have gone uh, 12 practices in Lincoln over 15 days, so it's been quite a, a run here as Mike. Riley uh, hopes to improve that 7-2 and two career bowl game coaching record uh, in this game against the Volunteers. The Huskers are about a four-point underdog right now. But, you know, back to the Tommy topic, uh, I did think it was also interesting. Danny Langstorff more or less said, hey, to play, you need practice. These guys aren't pros. Uh, they're not NFL-type guys where they can miss all the time and then just play the game. You know, this is not Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning. Uh, where they can miss an entire week and still be just as good on game day. And I think, uh, Robin, the Iowa game was the perfect example of that, a guy that missed all of that time um, and was very limited, and it sure looked that way when he played against the Hawkeyes 13 of 35 or whatever he finished that day. It was about as bad of a stat line as you're going to see. Amazingly, though, there were no turnovers, which makes that 40 to 10 loss even sting more uh, because it was a complete domination. Well, not only was he obviously hampered physically you know with his running and throwing ability but he was clearly not on the same page with his wide receivers I mean uh, if you remember back to that game there was points when Stanley Morgan and Tommy Armstrong were (laughs) yelling at each other on the field because those guys just were running different plays Tommy was throwing the ball to completely different spots than where Stanley was and that comes to a lack of practice and a lack of reps and um, you know there's something to be said for the chemistry that you build over the let alone the week of game prep during the season but uh, over the course of you know the past couple weeks um, during bowl preparations uh, I mean if you all of a sudden just throw in a wrench and say all right this guy that you've been working with is your number one quarterback for the last you know three weeks he's not going to play we're going to play this guy that hasn't put on pads since November uh, I don't know uh, it, it doesn't doesn't make sense to me I mean I get it you know Tommy's your four-year starter senior he's done a whole lot for this program uh, but at the same time if you look at it solely as giving yourself the best chance to win this bowl game uh, in my opinion, that's record five. Well, not, and to me, that's what it's all about. Is, and the coaches have said as much that that this is a, a bowl game that they're wanting to win. They're not looking ahead to next year. Uh, they're wanting to get to that tenth win. They're wanting to beat an SEC team like Tennessee and. And uh, clearly, Tommy Armstrong and Riker Fife are two different types of quarterbacks. So, um, you know, it, I, th- I, th- I, don't, I just don't see the staff kind of preparing 
uh, or having two kind of game plans going in and waiting to see who's the more healthy quarterback right before the game starts. I, I think that you have to zero in on a guy and have that game plan put together with that guy uh, to go out there and beat this Tennessee volunteer team. And uh, and I just feel like that, that's probably going to be t- uh, Riker Fife, but um, you know, people are holding out hope. Tommy's ho- obviously one of those guys holding out hope that, that he'll be able to pull it off. And then obviously no Jordan Westerkamp, as it was announced uh, last Thursday afternoon. Uh, he'll miss the bowl game with a meniscus injury uh, that had surgery last week on Thursday. Uh, he'll miss the uh, East-West Shrine game as well, but uh, should be fully recovered to go through the draft process in February. It's about a three-month type of recovery uh, but really puts a lot of questions in this game for Nebraska at the receiver position. Guys like Brandon Riley are going to really have to step up and, and take on a bigger role um, as the Huskers uh, look ahead to this game in Nashville. Well, we have a full show here on tap. Uh, we're going to talk more about this bowl matchup in our next segment. Uh, then we'll get the latest on Nebraska basketball from Robin Watch. I don't know if we want to get the latest on Nebraska basketball, but we will as the Huskers got a much-needed victory over Southern on Tuesday before they open up Big Ten play next week um, with Indiana. Uh, so we'll get Robin's thoughts on that. And then take your questions with Matt Reynoldson in the Husker Online mailbag, and we'll close the show with Nate Klaus's thoughts on recruiting as uh, Huskers still in that drought. It's almost approaching 100 days without a commit. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts where that is at next or uh, to close the show. Uh, but we'll talk more bowl practices. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Anytime you're facing an SEC team, you know you're going to face a lot of athletes, and they sure have that. They've been hit hard with the, with injuries, but um, they still have a ton of athletes on the field. We've got to be able to run the ball on them. You know, they've, they've struggled somewhat in that area, and we got to we need to be able to exploit that. So if we can do that like it's been all year for us, our offense will run more smoothly when we do that. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we get you geared up for Nebraska's December 30th date in the Music City Bowl in Nashville against Tennessee. That was running backs coach Reggie Davis uh, just discussing the importance of running the football. And it's really been um, a tough deal for Nebraska. Tommy Armstrong's injury kind of limited that, the offensive line's injuries. You go back uh, game one, guys, of the non-con- or of the Big Ten schedule. Nebraska had 556 yards um, against Northwestern. Their high since that day has been like 423. I think of their final eight games, the Huskers only broke 400, um, you know, four or five of the games at the most. Um, so their their statistics on offense have not been good. Um, really, their final eight games, they only broke 30 points one time in the Big Ten, and that was 31 points against Illinois. Now, granted, the Northwestern game, they should have had about 38 uh, with those two fumbles in the end zone. Uh, but still, there's a lot of questions. Yes, Tennessee, guys, has given up. A lot of yards and a lot of points here this final month of November, but Nebraska hasn't been able to score a lot. So what's going to give as you as you look at this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it clearly comes down to the offensive line and the running backs carrying the workload here because, um, you know, whoever's that quarterback, uh, we, we've seen when Nebraska runs the ball effectively, and I'm talking about, you know, 200-plus yards. They're undefeated under Mike Riley with 200 rushing yards or more. You said it. So that is the key to success for this team, and uh, this bowl game is going to be no different. Uh, if Nebraska tries to get one-dimensional or is forced to get one-dimensional uh, and have, you know, record five 
wife or a hurt Tommy Armstrong have to you know win this game with their arm, it's going to be a long day. Um, you know, because as bad as Tennessee's been statistically, they have freak athletes uh, just like any other SEC defense you're going to find. So the key, just as was last year in the bowl game, just run the ball, punch Tennessee right in the mouth. Because I think mentally, they're a team that at the first sign of adversity, I'm curious to see how they'd respond with you know all the tumultuous uh, ongoings in their locker room over the course of this season I think that if Nebraska kind of imposes their will right away and is able to march down the field you know with one of those physical run oriented off uh, drives uh, to get a touchdown right away I think that that could really deflate Tennessee's entire morale on that sideline and could make for uh, maybe a repeat performance of what we saw last year against UCLA. Yeah, I think there's so many different parallels between this bowl game and last year's bowl game and, and what needs to be done. Um, and and there, you know, if you did have a, have an excellent showing from that offensive line, I, I think that would you know certainly allow the offense to operate at a high level. Um, you know, Mike Cavanaugh has talked about this D line. Obviously, they've got uh, what an All American and and Barnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, that defensive end that that is as good as uh, any defensive end that they've really seen all year long. But really across the front, uh, Mike Cavanaugh said that uh, they're as good and as athletic as anyone they've had. But at the same time, uh, often Nebraska's offensive line is about as healthy as they've been. So that's that's a good sign, I think. Um, and and if if you can, you know, impose your will and do a lot of the same things that you did against UCLA last year, uh, I think Nebraska can still pull things out even though they're a little banged up here uh, you know and, and you know kind of hit those hit those champions of life right in the mouth <laughs> right away and uh, kind of break their will so now what uh, you guys I wasn't in the interview with Nick Gates um, Robin and Nate what is his health I mean do you think I know he said that he probably should have missed four games with injuries this yeah. year that he played through because um, I think he's the key I mean if he's a hundred percent we saw how good he is. I mean, Northwestern had a defensive end that destroyed Iowa, and Nick Gates completely neutralized that guy the week before to nothing. Um, so when Nick is healthy and operating, uh, we, we know he, he can really be a difference maker at left tackle. Yeah, he was pretty uh, forthcoming with how beat up he actually was with that ankle over the final stretch of the season. And, um, you know, I, I got to commend his, uh, I guess, drive to play through that. Uh, he was clearly not the same player he was at the beginning of the year. And so the good news is he's had – you know, about a month uh, to, you know, heal that thing up. And um, he says he's good to go, but, you know, this is also a guy that said he was good to go when he probably shouldn't (laughs) have been playing. So uh, I don't know. I would doubt that he's 100%, but I think that he'll be close enough to where he'll be an effective That Purdue game was bad. I mean, he he couldn't even move side to side. I mean, he was getting beat off the line by – some guy that should have been carrying his suitcases. I mean, this. I mean, he never should have been beat by that guy. He was a left tackle that was having trouble shifting to his left. Against <laughs> some news. guy Stuff at Purdue that do. might be the one of the worst defensive ends in the league or yeah. something. You know, so, so that was a, a tough, tough game to watch. But yeah, he gutted it out. It, it started with the Indiana game for him. So that that will be a big factor. I think guys, when uh, we're discussing just uh, how Nebraska moves the ball, wins this game against Tennessee, getting that second running option. And I asked Reggie Davis on Tuesday, "Hey, what is Davino Zigbo's situation?" He goes, "Well, um, w- when you look at Ozigbo uh, right now." Um, you know he's he's going to be behind Terrell Newby, but I I just have this inkling that he could put himself in the mix for playing time. That was one of the more curious 
storylines is what happened to him because they said it was an injury but then reggie davis made some kind of uh i guess cloudy comments about you know he knows what he needs to do to get back into the rotation so that kind of made you think it was something that went beyond just being hurt uh, especially when mike riley said that divine's as healthy as he's been exactly. and then still doesn't play uh so I, I don't know i'm curious to see how that develops um you know that we're kind of removed from um you know that the the point uh, at the end of the year to now but from the brief glimpses we've seen in practice, Trey Bryant's been the number two. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I don't know how much of that is going to change and what Divine. And Divine played one play against Iowa, I think, and came out, and he was pretty upset, you can yeah. tell. So that, I mean, kind of reading the, 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 the tea leaves there, that kind of says that there's a little bit more to the story than just being hurt. So I'm, I'm anxious to see, uh, you know, what his role is going to be because we've seen how good he can be when, you know, he's uh, a big factor in that running game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we get you ready for next week's game in Nashville uh, on December 30th. It's a 2.30 game on a Friday, uh, which will be a work day, but in Nebraska, I guarantee it won't be much of a work day. There will be a lot of uh, half days taken and sports bars probably occupied um, on that Friday as the Huskers play what's the lead-in game to the Orange Bowl, which features Michigan versus Florida State. So uh, really a nice slate of games on Friday, starting off with this Nebraska-Tennessee matchup. Uh, but you guys, you guys, you look at Nebraska's defense and, and kind of going into this game, um, you, you know, so much of their success this year was clouded over by the play against Iowa. But you go back to the Minnesota and the Maryland games. Now, granted, Maryland was playing their backup quarterback, uh, but so was Nebraska, to be fair. Uh, but they held those offenses, both Minnesota and Maryland, to two of their worst games of the year. But then that was all kind of overshadowed by the play at Iowa. I think the question for me is which defense shows up and will they play focused, disciplined football and stop the run? Well, clearly the message since the start of bowl preparations has been, you know, increasing the physicality. This coaching staff has not been messing around. You mentioned earlier the gauntlet of practices in a very short amount of windows. I think it's 16 practices in 21 days. Uh, and not only are they practicing that much, they're practicing hard. They're going outside and, you know, single-digit weather uh, and making these guys work. Uh, and that's clearly uh, by design to uh, – um, maybe kind of make amends for what happened in that Iowa game and kind of re change the mentality a little bit that uh, if you guys want to win, you need to uh, step it up, um, you know, both physically and mentally. So um, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, there's two ways that the team can respond to something like that. They can get disgruntled and, um, you know, get mad that they're having to work so hard, you know, during their bowl preparations and during finals week, or uh, they can, you know, take the message the right way and uh, come out with their hair on fire. And I, I guess the, the optimistic side is that, uh, you know, they'll be able to, um, you know, take that that message and run with it and uh, look like the team they, that they were early in the year uh, as opposed to what we saw uh, in Iowa City. And the little bit that we've been able to be around the guys, I feel like everyone's spirits are pretty high. I don't I don't feel like people are, are dreading practice or kind of dragging and kind of, you know, walking around with, a, with their heads down and with a bad attitude. I feel like the guys have kind of embraced the workload almost. Um, you know, for me in this game, I, I think it's that front seven, how well that front seven plays. I feel fairly confident about the back end of the defense, but uh, it's that, that front seven, uh, being able to control their run game. And, and honestly, everyone's talking about Dobbs and, and how he's a dual threat quarterback. And, and you know, if, if as he goes, the team goes. And if you can somehow uh, disrupt Dobbs and, and uh, contain him and, and how he uses his feet, uh, I think that uh, the defense could have a very good day. 
All right, well, when we come back, we're going to shift the discussion over to basketball for just one segment as Nebraska uh, got a much-needed win over Southern on Tuesday. Now they will open up Big Ten play next week at Indiana, and they're at Maryland uh, before coming home uh, after the bowl game uh, for Big Ten conference play. But uh, things are really in a tough spot for Nebraska basketball. We'll get Robin's take on that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Everybody felt good after, you know, when we were talking to the guys, everybody felt like they accomplished something in practice yesterday. It was a very physical, hard practice. And um, and, they, and I thought we played harder today. And so I think we can at least rest our head on our pillow tonight knowing, you know, the way we have to win and the way we have to play is to, I mean, give all out effort, extreme effort, you know, run harder, play harder, and uh, good things will happen. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska head coach, Tim Miles, as he discussed uh, Nebraska's win over Southern 81 to 76 uh, on Tuesday night before they take a eight day break uh, before they open up conference play. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations now in Omaha, two in Lincoln, including the newest location at the old grandmothers on 70th and A. It's bowl game season. It's getting close to NFL playoff season. Uh, make sure you get into any one of the seven Tanner's locations, get some wings, uh, get some beer. They've got a great happy hour that runs Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 as well. Uh, $5 nachos, $5 chicken lips, um, all till 4 to 6 Monday through Friday. So get into Tanner's, any one of those locations uh, for your bowl game season. But uh, let's get back to basketball, Robin. Uh, it's not been easy for Nebraska. They've lost, they, they had a stretch where they lost six of seven games, uh, the only win coming over South Dakota, and that was kind of dicey. Um, they lost to Gardner-Webb, though, on Sunday, the Sunday after finals week. Um, and then they respond with an ugly win over Southern, 81-76. What is the state right now of Nebraska basketball? The state is about where it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, all those questions that we had going into the season are still there. They haven't really done much to solve any of the uh, issues, um, you know, that we were talking about, you know, a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, I guess you look up what, what happened, you know, on Tuesday with that win. I know a lot of people weren't very thrilled with a five-point win over a Southern team, but... The reality is they needed that desperately. Uh, if they would have lost that game, you probably could have thrown the season away. Um, so they got their second win in a span of 26 days, and um, you know they were able to get over 500 going into Big Ten play. So um, considering the circumstances, that was uh, certainly a, a nice step in the right direction, especially after what was um, a very disappointing, very frustrating, and kind of inexcusable step back um, on Sunday with that loss to Gardner-Webb. Um, for whatever reason, December bye games at home have been a thorn in Nebraska's side you know, you come three off years in a row. You come off finals week. We saw Michigan State lose um, a game like that, too, this past week. It, it's a tough, tough time to play a game. Campus is empty. You just got off finals, and practices are probably limited over that period. So, yeah, that is a always one of those games, the trap game on the schedule. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, they, they got bit again, you know, third time in a row now, uh, third season in a row that, you know, they've lost a game like that. And so uh, the the heat has been turned up um, on, on Tim Miles' seat. And, you know, I've, I'll admit I've been a supporter uh, of his, but at the same time, um, it's getting to the point now where there has to be some production, some tangible reason to show that this team is headed on the right track. And uh, right now, uh, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah. they, they had it, you know, they're, they're the one thing they hung their hat on, you know, before this past week was that, yes, they were, you know, 
barely over 500, but they had played the hardest schedule in college basketball. Well, they're not the hardest schedule in college basketball anymore, you know, with these two games, and yet you're sitting at six and five. So, uh, the, the good news is, you know, looking ahead to next week and start a Big Ten play, it's a new season. I mean, you go back to that magical 2013-14 season. They started that year nine and nine. And ended up winning 10 of their next 12 games to make the NCAA tournament. So nothing is out of the question here. But based on what we've seen so far, uh, they got a long way to go and a short amount of time to figure it out. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we discussed, Nebraska basketball. And uh, Huskers are, are now 6-6 six and six after oh, yeah. a, after non-conference play. <laughs> I think I said 6-5, and five, my bad. 6-6 um, six and six over their 12 games. We, we thought 8-4 and four might have been the best they could be. Maybe even a 9-3 and three would have been the absolute best. And and here they are w- w- at 6-6. Six and six. and uh, They've shaken up the lineup a lot, Robin. Uh, they've done a lot of different things um, with, with this lineup. The, the latest one is Dry Horn. Um, and, and this is a guy, Robin, when I went to that Shattern State exhibition game I'm like god who is this guy he's shooting it really nice but we didn't see him um, a lot until the other night when he went off for 18 points against Southern yeah and the big reason why you hadn't seen him is because he's had issues on defense and Tim Miles has made it no secret that if you don't play defense you're not going to play but uh, I think it got to the point where um, finally he had to say I'm going to sacrifice some play defensively uh, to provide some offense because this team just is not scoring right now and so uh, you could dry a horn. He played 14 minutes. Um, wait, he played 65 minutes total, 14 minutes in his last five games. And you'd agree that Shattern game, I mean, he was kind of a pleasant surprise. That yeah, o- well, there's no doubt about his offense. I mean, like I said, I mean, the, the, the issue is on the other side of the floor. But anyway, he played 14 minutes over the last five games, played 18 minutes um, against Southern, responded with a career-high 18 points, um, and shot lights out 7 of 9 from the field, 4 of 6 from three-point range. That's exactly what the doctor ordered. And so I would anticipate, you know, maybe Tim Miles um, not only giving Jariah Horn uh, more of a role in this lineup, but what I would really like to see is let those freshmen figure it out. Put them on the floor. Don't, I mean, they're not going to get any better watching from the bench. And uh, I know that they put such a priority on, you know, knowing your uh, responsibilities and assignments, especially on defense. But um, at some point, you got to kind of weigh the pros and cons of having, you know, some of your better scorers and, you know, the future of your program. Um, you, you can't you got to give fans reason to believe that the future is bright and the only way to do that is put your young guys on the floor let pe- them show people what they can do so uh, that was definitely encouraging uh, you know dry I mean he just played two minutes in that Garner web game and so for, for him to come back um, and you know show the, the the patience you know to kind of wait things out for his opportunity and take full advantage was definitely a, a good sign and so now he needs to continue to play Isaiah Roby needs to play more uh, Jordy Schmong needs to play more uh, and get those guys going because the, those guys are the future of your team. There's you no got to change it up. It. There's no doubt. I yep. mean, you can't just keep it as it is. No one wants to go watch eight-minute scoring droughts, and, and and that's just not good basketball. I mean, it's just not and, – and, and the crowds have shown, Robin. I mean, the crowds were 8,000 8, for the last two games, yep. uh, which unofficially are the smallest crowds we've seen at the new Pinnacle Bank Arena. Yeah, and that's that's the message that uh, is probably the most concerning um, for you know to Miles and the basketball program as a whole because you just invested a whole bunch of money into this program, got a brand new arena that the city of Lincoln is helping pay for, and if you're not selling that thing out or at least getting a decent crowd, um, well, the tickets are sold. People aren't I well. Mean, people I'm just are saying, people aren't showing up to games. Yeah, fifteen you know? or fourteen thousand tickets are sold. But that six thousand people didn't show up. I mean, yeah, that, that's what's concerning. That's what that, I'm saying. That's the message right there. Like you pay eighty bucks for four tickets a game, and you're saying, you know what? 
my eighty dollars is not worth watching this tonight. Yeah, and so uh, you know the, that that's got to be kind of priority number one is give. Like I said, you got to give fans reason to be excited about this team, and so that's why I say you got to get those young guys more involved because you know. Um, no offense to Jack McVeigh, I really like him, but he, he shouldn't be playing right now. Michael Jacobson is struggling mightily, and I don't know what those two guys are bringing to the lineup right now. And so, I mean, you, you got to get your young guys more involved. I mean, uh, Isaiah Roby was a fan favorite after that exhibition game. Jariah Horn showed his potential as an offensive scorer, and Jordy Shimonga is your center that you've been waiting years and years to get. Play him. All right, Robin Washett with his hot takes on Nebraska ball as – Huskers will open up uh, Wednesday. It's a 5.30 Central game at Indiana, and uh, we obviously will have coverage from Nashville of that game as Nebraska will begin Big Ten Conference play. But when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson is back uh, with us. He's on his college break. He's actually living at home with his parents uh, for the next few weeks, and and he's going to join us here and tell us all about that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I get the rule, but it's unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's not like he's got uh, you know, done poorly in school. It's just a transfer deal, so it's, it's too bad. Uh, but he's had good work, a lot of good time, and practice time with the extra practices, which will help him moving forward in the spring. Along with Patrick, I think that's, that, that battle's begun already, and uh, it'll be good for both of them to get the amount of work that they've gotten prior to spring ball. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf just wrapping up bowl month here as both Tanner Lee and Patrick O'Brien, Nebraska's two unavailable quarterbacks, got a lot of work here in Lincoln in these 12 practices over 15 days. Uh, And Tanner Lee, unfortunately, will not be able to travel with Nebraska to Nashville. It's an NCAA rule um, where you have to be at a school for two semesters in order to travel and be a part of a bowl game. Uh, The last time this happened at Nebraska was Sam Keller, um, but uh, let, let's get right into it. Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson is on his Christmas break. Now you're back home with the parents. I am. Yep. Back in uh, back in my parents' basement. So it's good to <laughs> good to go back to my roots a little bit. You know. Do you got a chore list for the week? Oh boy, you bet. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to it. We've got the uh, the mailbag this week, Matt. Lots of questions. At least the thread had lots of. Uh, comments in it. How many quality questions do we have this week in the mailbag? Well, most of them were trolling myself and David, and I kind of <laughs> went back and forth a little bit with uh, some of the questions. But uh, sticking with the quarterback theme here, let's talk about a current quarterback. What kind of chances does Nebraska have of winning the bowl game with Riker 5 at the helm? Uh, I mean, you have to say Tennessee's the favorite uh, if you're just being realistic. No Sam Foltz. Obviously, we've known that for a long time. No, no uh, Jordan Westerkamp. No Tommy Armstrong. I mean, those are the three most decorated players on this team, and they're not going to be in the bowl game. And then talk about Nathan Gary as well. So um, it's really up against Nebraska right now in this bowl game. Um, when, when you look at what Riker faces, I think limiting the turnovers will be his best, uh, Nebraska's best chance to win. Yeah, that said, I like Nebraska's chances a lot better with Riker than with an injured Tommy Armstrong. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that too. I like, I like Nebraska's chances better there. And uh, if he can give you the chance to, to control the football and not make mistakes, then I think you have to roll with him. All right, next question here in the mailbag. Do you think Danny Langsdorf has some tricks up his sleeve for this game? No doubt. I mean, we've seen it in every bowl game. How about Western Kentucky uh, with Nick Holt, the, yeah. fo- the former uh, USC and Washington <laughs> D coordinator, 
uh, with that kneel down trick play. But yeah, there's no doubt with when you practice 16 times in 21 days, you've got some time to put in some things. What I'm interested to see is, you know, maybe on special teams. Mike Riley took that thing over this month after the firing of Bruce Reed, and uh, maybe the old head coach has a couple of dust off the, the trick playbook and maybe throw in some wrinkles. Definitely going to be at least a few wrinkles. Maybe not necessarily trick plays, but I think we're, it's going to be a completely different flavor on special teams for sure. Yeah, uh, DeMornay hinted on that as well. He said some of the blocking schemes and, and things like that will be different, at least in the punt return game. Moving on a little bit deeper into the mailbag, and I suppose you can interpret this question a number of ways, but will we, will we see better news with the current team or on the recruiting trail over the next month, so the next 30 days? Well, I think the current team, the excitement of the quarterback situation, because we've pretty much seen the same two guys at quarterback for seven years at Nebraska, and people are, I think, anxious for a change. So, yeah, I think after the bowl game, especially when spring ball starts the first Saturday in March, uh, there will be a lot of excitement, but yeah, recruiting will be important, and Nate could probably chime in that as much as anyone. Yeah, I mean, recruiting, I think, is going to be what drives the majority of the excitement here over the next six weeks or so. But certainly, if Nebraska can win the bowl game, and then people can start dreaming about, you know, what it's going to look like with Tanner Lee or Patrick O'Brien, you know, two quarterbacks that are pretty much handpicked by Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf to run their system, and and what it's going to look like to kind of turn the page from uh, this year's groups group of seniors to to next year's team that'll be major, you know, made up of the majority of Mike Riley's guys. I think that will that will be you know a positive for the fans, but. Um, on the recruiting front, I definitely feel like uh, things are going to get better before they get worse, for sure. Switching it up to Nebraska ball in the mailbag here. Robin. Yeah, a little. Uh, th- this question was rephrased to be much less snarky than it originally ah, was. Gotcha. But what's the deal with Tim Miles' Twitter hiatus? Yeah, I Good mean, question. I, yeah, I think that uh, you know, there's probably in response to um, you know a lot of criticisms he got. Uh, you know, I think I don't know how many tweets I've seen. It's like Tim Miles needs to stay off Twitter and worry about coaching his team. Let me put that into context a little bit. Everybody's referring to the halftime tweets. I'm sure uh, that takes like literally 10 seconds out of his. I mean, he's like says something to the uh, um, sports information director <laughs> as he's walking off the court, uh, and then the other then the SID tweets it. So it's not like he's sitting there like on his computer like logging into Twitter <laughs> instead of coaching his team at halftime. So, Wait a minute. I can't, I can't, I gotta, I gotta finish yeah. the tweet guy. All right, Checking out on, what all the writers are saying on, guys. and then yeah. responding yeah, to exactly. each one of them. Yeah. But you know, he is, he is active on social media and that was part of the appeal early on. I mean, people love that, that he was interactive with fans, whatnot, but the reality is uh, things are not going well. And you know, to be out there joking with people on Twitter isn't a good look. So I get it. And it, it makes sense. And uh, time to, you know, maybe put the, uh, the, the, stand-up comedy act to, to the side a little bit and worry about uh, getting this team better. All right, we've got time, plenty of time still for questions here in the mailbag. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. We're with Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson as we take your questions in the weekly mailbag. One of the hottest topics right now in recruiting is Darnay Holmes, the five-star defensive back out of Calabasas. Any new any new developments with him? Uh, Nebraska's still in the mix. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because Darnay has uh, – has really kind of you know been in full control of this of his recruitment and, and decided to kind of keep things very very close to the vest uh, for quite a while now and uh, you know and, and I think that 
for the longest time, it, it appeared at least uh, that Nebraska was completely out of the mix, and all of a sudden, um, you know, they were they were back in it and being considered. Nebraska hires Dante Williams, and and now they were being considered even a little bit more. Um, my my personal take on things right now is that Ohio State's probably the team to beat, and then you've got um, you know one of the two local teams whether that's USC or UCLA I tend to think that USC is the local team to beat and then I think you have Nebraska right there and and you know it's it's coming down to the the 11th hour he's he is now going to be a mid-year enrollee there was a lot of questions whether or not he was going to actually be a mid-year graduate because uh, he kind of had the choice to to come back for that second second semester, but uh, he is going to graduate early. He's going to be announcing his decision at the Army game, and you know I, I think it's going to come down to does he want to stay home, does he want to play for Urban Meyer, or is Nebraska kind of the common ground here uh, where he's comfortable uh, at Nebraska? He's been here six, seven, eight times. He's got obviously Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tristan Jebbia, um, you know, their parents, Markel Dismuke, you know, there's uh, Dante Williams, as I mentioned. There's a lot of uh, familiarity here at Nebraska. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not, uh, Nebraska has a shot. All right, we got time for one or two more here in the mailbag. Well, somebody asked in the thread if we have an office Christmas party. And so I started to <laughs> brainstorm how that might go. What do you guys think? Well, I think our challenge of throwing a party is I have two girls under three. Nate has one under three, and Robin has a newborn. So just getting our lives together to get together is not easy with babysitters and, and real life stuff. So, um, you know, the bull trip, I think, will be yeah. that will be kind of the unofficial office Christmas party. And we get Greg. And if anyone doesn't know our videographer, Greg <laughs> Peterson, GP, he, um, I mean, he's the dude from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Well, I was thinking, you know, if, if there were to be a Christmas party, I, it would no doubt be at Greg's house. He, he's he's said multiple oh, yeah. times that he wants to have us all over to his man cave. He, he, he has a man cave that yeah. uh, is. I'll give Greg props. It's, it's it's impressive. He's got a really really aggressive Weber grill too. I'm I'm talking like an indu- <laughs> an, in, an an industrial sized like Weber grill that you can entertain a lot of people with. He doesn't mess around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we'd have the party at GP's and. Uh, you know he's got like three 40-inch TVs plastered on his wall, so uh, we'd I'm sure have all sorts of sporting events to to watch and uh, find a way to put the occupy the kids and have ourselves a party. Yeah. Who'd be wearing a Santa hat? John. Yep. Hey, <laughs> I'll be giving out the gifts apparently. So. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps it up. Matt, have a merry Christmas. Uh, we won't have a, we won't have a mailbag segment in Nashville next week, but we will see you in Nashville. So absolutely, uh, safe travels to Nashville, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you Friday at the Music City Bowl. But when we come back, uh, we'll close the show with more thoughts on recruiting from Nate Klaus. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, the guys in our building have been great uh, putting together some graphics on that stuff for recruits. You know, you, you've got two week 16 starters, and that's, that's, that's pretty rare, I think, from the same team. And, and uh, so that's, that's exciting to see those guys uh, continue to have success and grow and, 
you know, Matt's been, feels like he's been in the NFL for about 15 years, and I don't know what it is, 11 maybe or something. He continues, you know, every time he plays, he plays well, it seems. So it's, we talked the other night after their big win, and, and uh, he, had a, he had a baby and a, and a big victory as a starter. So it's, it's neat to keep in touch with those guys and, and uh, get to see him play. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf just talking about the success uh, of his two former quarterbacks that are going to run the same system Nebraska runs. Matt Moore, who's now the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And then this weekend, uh, there's a very good chance that Sean Mannion could be the starter for the Rams because Jared Goff suffered a concussion, which would mean two of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL this weekend would be Mike Riley, Danny Langsdorf guys. And Nate, um, it's interesting just you know how you could use that to recruit and be like, hey, look, I mean, we develop guys for this next level, and and you know this is a great opportunity this weekend to show that. It's a huge opportunity. I mean, I don't know if there's any other any other program out there really that could Baylor that could say uh, that Baylor and Cal both have two starting this weekend as well. If golf starts, it'd be two for Cal, and yeah. then and USC has Matt Barkley and uh, Palmer starting. So yeah, but I mean the the amount of schools that can kind of tout that is is very very limited and and i think that's something that resonates with a lot of kids and and obviously this is the time of year where you are recruiting underclassmen and and trying to get them uh interested in your program and what what better way to to kind of you know catch their eye than to say hey look we've got two two guys in the pros that are starting this weekend so i i think that is you know quite the attention grabber for some of those younger guys um, that are that are starting to hear from Nebraska or have just been offered by the Huskers or um, or could be picking up an offer here pretty soon. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we wrap up the show with some recruiting talk, Nate, and um, Huskers lose another commit. Uh, tight end Reese Lado out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, reopens his recruiting. What's your take on that whole situation right now, and does Nebraska have a chance to maybe get him back? Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I do think that there is a slim chance that Reese Leto does come back to Nebraska. Um, you know, and, and he's a very, very smart kid. Um, and this is not something – I don't think he wanted things to play out this way, but he, he did have an agreement with his parents that he would take a look at all of his options, which he did before he committed to Nebraska. He, he had – uh, done an extensive research on every single school that offered him, visited pretty much every single school that had offered him, and uh, decided that Nebraska was the best choice uh, for him. And then all of a sudden, Texas and Oklahoma, TCU, LSU kind of come calling and, and right before the dead period, and, and I think that he felt like he owed it to himself, his parents, and, and even to Nebraska to kind of step away from things at this point in time and, and take a look at all of his options that are on the table. Uh, academics are a big thing for him. He, he's looking for an outstanding engineering degree and a combination of, of athletics, you know, the football program and, and how he'd be used, uh, you know, um, inside of that program. So, uh, he's going to be taking some visits in January, and and I know he still has an official visit to take to Nebraska. I think if that happens, there's a very good chance that they do secure his commitment uh, back into this class, which would be huge because at, right now, as I see it, between Robert Porsche and, and Reese Leto, I think Reese Leto is by far – uh, the the player that hurts the most uh, for Nebraska to lose. I think he was an instant impact type of guy, 6'4", 235-pound kid that could be an inline blocker but uh, could also be very effective uh, in the pass game. So 
uh, especially when you lose, you know, three three senior tight ends. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but uh, I'm not ready to completely write off Reese Lato right now. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we discuss the state of Nebraska recruiting as we head into the bowl game in the Christmas holiday, Nate. Um, Chuck Fialaga, the four-star offensive lineman, also announced his final three. Um, he'll be announcing at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Uh, Nebraska makes that cut. What's your take on that situation? Personally, I don't know why. I just You just don't have a great feel right now just because um, Chuck's a hard guy to read. Well, yeah, he's a very quiet guy, and really all of, all the offensive linemen, for the most part, over over the last two cycles that, that Coach Kavanaugh has been recruiting are all kind of cut out of the same mold. They're all very quiet. They don't like to do um, a ton of interviews. They, they, they play things very close to the vest. Um, you know, they're not all over social media and, and kind of, you know, into, into gaining followers and, and kind of – uh, playing the whole recruiting game. So it is hard to read. Uh, Chuck Filiaga's got Oklahoma, Michigan, and Nebraska. I think the Huskers are right there. I, I personally don't have a, a great read on it. I, th- I feel like, um, you know, if I were going to put money down on it and bet where he's going to end up going, I, I think it's Michigan. But at the same time, you look at Michigan's recruiting class, they have six offensive line commits already in this class. So uh, you, you mean to tell me that, that Chuck Filiaga is going to be the seventh guy to, to go? Go into their class and be a part of that O line class. I, you know, I mean, it's possible, but at the same time, uh, that's something that you don't see very often. So, uh, and, and when he talked about his visit at Nebraska, you know, one thing that we haven't heard in years is that hey, I, I'm a Samoan, and I love the fact that Nebraska has some Polynesian, you know, people on their coaching staff. You know, whether it's Mark Phillip uh, in this as a strength and conditioning coach, uh, Tavita Thompson as a tight ends coach. Um, you know, you've got uh, Phillip's brother is a GA. Uh, so you uh, Roman Sapolu uh, is is a, is a grad assistant as well, and and uh, you know, and he has worked out with uh, Roman's father when he lived in California. So there. There are several connections to the Nebraska staff that I think has allowed them to kind of stay in the mix here. Um, and I wouldn't be completely surprised if he did pick Nebraska, but uh, I think it's too hard to handicap for me right now at this point. Now, Nate, there, there could be kind of that in-state plan B route that could be taken if, if things don't go to plan on some of these key targets. And uh, we saw maybe a, a domino move here late this week. I saw Nebraska just started following Wyoming and Lincoln East commit uh, Wyoming committed Lincoln East offensive lineman Chris Walker. I mean, do you, do you see that possibly happening? I mean, it, it kind of almost like last year with David Engelhop, where maybe one or two in-state guys could get a late phone call from Nebraska. Yeah, I think there's a couple guys in state that that are definitely on the radar for offers, and and depending on how the numbers uh, come down, you know, at, at the eleventh hour, right before signing day, and in the you know positions of need, I, I think that uh, a guy like Chris Walker could potentially pick up a late offer. Uh, Jalen Bradley could potentially pick up a late offer, um, you know, and, and kind of you know could be that David Inglehop of the class. You know, very good players, uh, maybe a year or two away. Developmental wise, um, you know, maybe not as as college football ready as some of their their top targets, but have always been guys that that the staff has liked, and um, and and you know, I, I could see no doubt, I could see Chris Walker being that type of that type of player for Nebraska, and and I'm sure that Craig Bowl would <laughs> that would not make him very happy. Two years in if, a row, if, yeah, two years in a row, they got one of their one of their top guys kind of stolen uh, from Nebraska.
Nebraska right there uh, right well, before Bull, signing day. Bull's a Lincoln East guy as well. Very, mm-hmm. very close to John Gingrey. I believe he lived with him. You know, they, they, I mean, they go way back um, to their college days when they went to Nebraska. So that would be a, a tough one. But, you know, what kid from Lincoln's not going to go to Nebraska if they get an offer? So if it happens, that's how it works, guys. I mean, that, that's that's big boy recruiting. And um, it happened last year with Hop, and it could happen again this year. So, no doubt, um, lots to keep tabs on, and, and, and we'll keep you up to the date with the latest uh, as we will be out in Nashville this week for the bowl game. Uh, have a special edition of the Husker Online show out there in Nashville, probably on Wednesday, a day earlier than normal. Uh, we'll tape uh, just because of the game being on a Friday. But um, for everyone here on the Husker Online staff, happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. As the next time we will talk to you, it will be out in Nashville. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 